And I'm just waiting on the Lord because there's multiple topics that I want to deal with. And, uh, and, and the subject is dealing with the tongue specifically. But I want to start off with this one, taming the tongue. And, and I thought, what is it about the tongue that is so uncontrollable? Why can't we control our tongue? So we defined, or we labeled, if you would, or call this series called Watch Your Mouth. So the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about watching your mouth. Now, it's not just about taming the tongue. It's about using the tongue for God's glory. For instance, week two, we want to talk about being tongue-tied and what holds us back from telling people about Jesus Christ and how we can overcome those things. Then we're going to get into the tongue of worship uh, on the 20th because we're going to be having our Thanksgiving service and we really want to have a big push for family and friends to come out and be a part of that special service because it's unique and different even though it's still here in this location. Communication is essential to life. But I'm not the best communicator. And I know that's sad because I'm a pastor, but I've always struggled, specifically when I'm talking to my wife or my kids, to communicate. I, they say I have Dave language. Only certain people that are close to me can understand the Dave language. Like they'll fill in the blanks where I'm missing certain words. But, and some people will hear me say something, and then somebody else will hear it, and this person has no idea what I'm saying. But this one does understand what I'm saying because it's Dave language. I hope that doesn't happen today. How many of you are married and you feel like your spouse is the only one at times that really understands what you're trying to say? Would you raise your hand? No? Maybe you need to be married a little longer? With your kids, how about that? You understand your kids and maybe somebody else doesn't. The teachers, the principal hmm? that they see quite often, yeah. Communication is essential to life. It's the exchange of thoughts uh, a message, information, and we do it in different ways. We, we sometimes we do it by speech, signals, facial expressions, behavior. Today we use social media. We use texting. Sometimes we speak text. How many speak text? Speak text. Is it frustrating? Yeah, it's better off just to. Yeah, <laughs> I just rather I speak text and then I have to correct it all the time. And Ellie's like, "Why do you just? Why don't you just text it, Dad, with your fingers, your thumbs?" It's because these thumbs are abnormal. They're huge, and I just hit every letter that I didn't mean to hit, and then it's just the same because speak text is awful. But what other way you communicate? The Bible's very specific on how we communicate. It, it, it stresses the importance of communicating well. The most powerful weapon we carry in life is not a gun, it's not a knife, it's not a physical weapon. It is literally our tongue. Because our tongue has the ability to do things that would literally destroy people. The tongue is interesting because it doesn't have a bone in it. But it can crush anything in its way, in its path. James had an issue with the tongue. In James chapter 3, he specifically focused on the tongue and the problem with the tongue. In James chapter 3 and verse 8, he said, The tongue can no man tame. It's unruly. It's evil. It's full of deadly poison. He says it's, it's literally uncontrollable. So the question is, if James is right, then what are we going to do with the tongue? I mean, if you can't control it, then how do we deal with it? Well, if you notice that passage of Scripture, it focuses on no man can tame the tongue. Which means there is somebody that can tame it, and that's God. And I'm not trying to be cliche, but it's true. If we trust God and follow what he has given us to do, 
we can tame the tongue. The Apostle Paul deals with the issue of the tongue and how the mouth can get us in trouble. I've got myself in trouble a number of times with my mouth. Uh, how many have ever found yourself, as they say, putting your foot in your mouth? Have you ever experienced that? We, we have all done that at some point. If you haven't, that day will come. But the Apostle Paul deals with the issue of the tongue and how the mouth can get us in trouble, and he addresses it in the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 4, he says in verse 29, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Let, let's tame the tongue. Let's learn through this passage of Scripture and break this portion of Scripture down in two ways and learn how God has given us direction on taming the tongue. Before we dive into that, I, I ask you this question, okay? Have you ever said something to somebody in such a way that would be defined as corrupt, inappropriate, and you wish you could go back and fix it? Have you ever found yourself maybe recently or maybe in the far past doing something where you're like, I was so angry and so frustrated at that very moment, but you can't go back, right? You can't fix it. You can't bring it. You can't take those words back and put them in your mouth. I've done that with my, my, my wife. I've done that with my son. I've done that with my daughter. I've even done that with my own mother. I've said things, and I'm thinking, why did I say that? I was just in the heat of the moment. But we all do that. We all experience that. And because of that, we have found ourselves doing things that we never thought we would ever do and hurting people in ways we never thought we would ever hurt them. It's alarming when we stop and consider how powerful words actually are. And the reason words hurt people is because we choose to use corrupt communication. And that's where I want to begin. Let's focus on the corrupt communication. I wonder what they're doing up there. I'm really curious. This sounds like, this sounds like thunder going on. We don't usually have them moving things. That's the children's department up here, I think. And I don't know. It's further over in the corner. Yeah, is it? Oh, it's over here. Oh, it's the metal plates. Yeah, I was outside and it scared me to death. And now I, I think every kid that was standing on the side, they were like, what is that? It's the metal plate. I have learned when I was a kid that it was a lie when my parents told me, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt. They do hurt. There's things that stuck with me for the rest of my life I'm sure I'm going to battle with. And it seems funny to you because you'd think, you know, Dave, he's so lighthearted. He's got thick skin. But the reality is there's different seasons of life that we don't necessarily have thick skin and the ability to just press through it, you know. And at those moments, when those words are used in a corrupt way, they stick with you. And it's hard to shake them. Ephesians 4 Verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. I hope you realize that corrupt communication is not a, necessarily a four-letter word, even though that's corrupt. It, it, it's not using profanity or being inappropriate necessarily. Corrupt communication is when you choose to use words that are rotten. Corrupt communication is translated literally rotten communication. Uh, the Greek translation of this is, is literally defined as decay. 
It's literally like a piece of meat that's so decayed that now there's food poisoning that could happen in your life if you eat it. Words that create unpleasant smells and sickness and disease. That's literally what corrupt communication is. It's sharing contaminated food with others in essence. Every time you speak that corrupt, those corrupt words, it's literally like sharing food poisoning with others. How many have ever had food poisoning? Would you raise your hand? It is awful. It's horrible. I, I think the only thing that was worse than food poisoning was when I got COVID and I got it bad. But I remember I was in Tennessee and I got food poisoning. Brianna got food poisoning because we went to a Japanese restaurant and we ate this, this, this chicken meal. And we were so sick the next day. I mean, we were, the food poisoning just messed us up so bad. We're throwing up and weak and we could barely, I couldn't even walk. We were crawling around the floor. Tristan was just born. So we, we called a friend of ours and said, you got to come over here. We got to get to the hospital. And so he's making his way over to take care of Christian uh, so we could go to the hospital. And I'm opening the door to crawl out. I'm not kidding you. This is how bad it was. And a bird flew in the house. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And I think the bird had food poisoning because it just kept on pooing everywhere, all over the house. And I'm thinking, nothing can get worse than this. This is just the worst of the worst. And it did. It got so much worse. I mean, I was sick and I kept on throwing up and my wife was throwing up and we ended up at the, the hospital. It was just a minute clinic style hospital little setting in Tennessee. We didn't really have a doctor that we were planning on going to. We just needed to get some help. I just remember how, how miserable I was and how frustrated I was because somebody made a bad decision. They either pulled some chicken that was already bad or they didn't cook it properly. And now I'm dealing with it because of their decision. You know, corrupt communication is the same way. Somebody made a bad decision to use words in a way they shouldn't have used and now there's an aftermath, if you would. There's a problem here. And it's like food poisoning, and it's so overwhelming. It's affecting not just you, but your family too. Rotten words that destroy a person's confidence and faith and hope and even sometimes the will to live. And when we use those words, it just slowly, like a vegetable that's decaying, rots away in that person's life because you use corrupt communication towards them. It's interesting when it comes to corrupt communication because someone once said words are free, but how you use them may cost you. So true. The Bible says in Proverbs 18 verse 21 that death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's a lot of power that you're carrying around every day of your life and it can either destroy or mend people's lives. One word of kindness can change somebody's day. But one corrupt word could destroy somebody's life because words stick with you. Uh, let me put it this way. Stephen, you're on the front row. I'm just going to have you come up here. Can you stand here? Uh -oh. I, I think in life what happens too often is we don't realize how powerful our words are and how they stick with people and this corrupt communication and what it does to people. And as you grow older and go through life in the different seasons of life, these words, these corrupt words that are used against you throughout your life, stick with you. You say, well, it shouldn't be that way. 
You should know your identity in Christ. You should just pray and give it to Jesus. Well, that sounds good, and I believe that too. But we're still humans. So when you're a kid and somebody says something that you don't appreciate, like, I don't know if you were a fat kid or not, but you were. Wow, this might get personal. Yeah. You're fat. Sticks with you. Could be one kid nobody even cares about listening to. But that corrupt communication sticks with you. And then before you know it, somebody says, man, you're the ugliest guy. I mean, I don't know. You look like you've been chasing parked cars. I don't know what's going on. And the way they communicate to you, they may be thinking, this is just funny. I'm just joking. But for whatever reason, maybe it's stuck with you because somebody else has said the same thing because somebody thinks you're dumb. This one don't fit you, but short. Yeah, that one hurts. Yeah. Not really. Short people have changed the world. Let's move on. I'll tell you, sometimes I find myself with people that say things, and I'm thinking, why did you say that? I'm just kidding. Yeah, but your tongue, it literally can give life or death. You might be kidding, but to that person, they didn't take it that way. I wish I never knew that person. Well, they may find out you feel that way. They're worthless to me. I don't care what they think. I could care less. But all of these things over time just stick with you. And let me tell you something. Some of these may not be that bad if it comes from just a kid in elementary school. But if it comes from a dad or a mom, that sticks with you. If it comes from somebody that's close to you, that sticks with you. And what it does, corrupt communication, it's, it's, it's just like rotten meat. It sticks with you and it starts decaying who you are. You question your identity. You can't focus because all you do is think back on those words. And before you know it, it has owned you and destroyed you. And they just keep on coming because as you get older, you meet new people. And those people may not use the right words when they're communicating with you. Why? Be careful with your words. Because once you say those words, you might be, you might be forgiven for saying those words, but they'll never forget what you said. You see, I know and you know that corrupt communication can destroy lives. But I don't know if we realize how often we use those words. I'm going to break this down. You can have a seat. Keep those stickers on you, okay? No, I'm just kidding. You can take them off. (laughs) Corrupt communication does two things. It, It defines you and it defiles you. The Bible says in James 3, 6, and the tongue is a fire. It's this world of iniquity, and the tongue is one of those members that defiles the whole body. It is just all-consuming. It's the, the wickedest part of our bodies. You think, maybe my mind is. No, it's not your mind. It's the tongue, because when the tongue speaks, it's just like a whip, and it tears everything apart in its path. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7 says, As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. You say, what's that matter? Well, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. 
So what's in the heart comes out the mouth and really defines who you are. Let me put it this way. When you use corrupt communication and you choose to live a lifestyle that's loose of the tongue, people will eventually label you as well. It may not be these type of labels, but it'll look more like this. Let me illustrate. Whether you like it or not, we all carry a label maker along everywhere we go. Nobody can see it, but we do this. That is the only illustration I can think of to define what I'm trying to say because corrupt communication, it literally, like I said, it, 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 it defines you as a person. So the more you use that corrupt communication, the more people realize what's in your heart is coming out your mouth and they begin to realize what kind of person you are. It's like you and your spouse going to a, a school activity, right? And on your way, your wife looks at you and says, hey, you know that family's going to be there. She says, what family? I don't really remember their name. He, uh, you know, his wife, she's the, she's the one that's really loud and rude. Yeah, I remember her. The loud, rude lady. Yeah. They're going to be there? Yeah. Is, this, is her husband coming? Yeah, I think he is. What was her name? I don't know. I, I, I don't remember his name. I said her name. I don't remember his name. But one thing would come to your mind, the way he spoke to people. And I imagine they have this discussion and they say, well, he's the one that you always cringe when he's about to say something because he's a pervert. Yeah, I remember him. He's the guy that makes everybody awkward. Feel awkward anyway. He's the awkward one, but he makes everybody feel awkward. How about their kids? They're going to be there? Their daughter's the sweetest. She always says the kindest things to me when I see her and gives me a big hug. Oh, she's the sweetest, kindest. I love being around that little girl. How about their little boy? Is he going to be there? Oh, I hope not. I hope not. He's the most disrespectful little brat I have ever met. Hmm. Just made a lot of labels about one family. He said, That is so judgmental. It may be. But here's the reality when people say you can't judge a book by its cover, that's not necessarily true. Jesus said it this way, or the Bible makes it clear this way Man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. Why? God knows what your heart is, but what's in the heart, according to this passage of Scripture, eventually comes out your mouth. So, you are very readable on the outside, because you're the light of the world. And what you present yourself and what comes out of your mouth really determines what kind of person you are, because it all comes from the heart. You say, well, I don't want to be defined as any of those things. But corrupt communication defines who you are. Whether you like it or not, it's the truth. But I want you to know this too, corrupt communication defiles you. It's interesting, the Pharisees were discussing this with Jesus and they were all upset because the, uh, the disciples didn't wash their hands before they ate. And they said, this goes against the tradition of the elders. This is, un this is uncalled for. You shouldn't have done this. They're so upset. Jesus makes it very clear. It's not what goes in the mouth that defiles a man. It's what comes out of the mouth that defiles a man. 
because it goes back to that portion of Scripture. It says, for what's in the heart of a man, the abundance of the heart, the mouth, speaks. Let me tell you something. When you use corrupt communication, it defines you and it defiles you. It literally defiles and rots you from the inside out, just like it's hurting and decaying those people that you speak negatively against. It's an ugly picture. But I want, to notice, I want you to notice with me, number two, good communication. This is the better part of it. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Good communication does two things. It edifies and it ministers. It edifies and it ministers. The Bible says in verse 29 that good use of edifying. This is interesting. The word edify means to build up. You are a builder whether you like it or not. Now there's some good builders and there's some bad builders. Somebody said, I bet Dave you would do really good building a house because they saw some sets that I built at Fellowship Baptist Church for Vacation Bible School and the Easter drama. And I'm like, have you ever walked behind the set and saw what was behind the set? Because it's just thrown together. I mean, I'm just barely keeping together. There's clamps and duct tape and it's just, it's a train wreck, right? <laughs> Y'all don't have to agree on that. I'm not a builder. Now, I can pretend to be a builder, but I'm just not very good at it. It's amazing how many people think they build people up, but they don't build people up. Because the words in which they use are not the appropriate words to use. You have to have the appropriate tools in order to edify and to build. So it's like you're carrying a, 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 literally a toolbox around of words, and you see people's lives and how they're broken. And in order to edify and to build them up, you're trying to help them and put their pieces of life back together. And so you're reaching in that toolbox and you're picking the right tool to help that person make the right steps. Counselors do this. Pastors do this. Friends do this. Parents do this. And at that moment, you need to be biblical and you're thinking, what is the right words to use to help this person, to edify this person, to put them back together, to mend them? Because you're a builder. You have the responsibility to build them back up. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and verse 7. Wherefore, confront yourselves, comfort yourselves together, and edify one another, even as also ye do. I'm going to tell you something. It is our job to strengthen and edify one another. That's why we come together to worship. And that's why Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says it this way. Not to forsake the assembling yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. We, we're to strengthen one another and edify one another and build one another up. Not in pride and arrogancy. I know there's words of affirmation that people need in life, and some they just thrive on that, and they get a big head. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about meeting the needs of people that are falling apart and they need somebody to mend them and help them by using the appropriate words, choosing the appropriate tools to edify and to build them back up. And also it's ministering. Edify and minister. Minister is this. Literally means to give. Ministering means you're sacrificing what you want for what they need. 
It's literally being a servant. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29 says that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Minister grace. You're a giver. Or at least you're supposed to be a giver. You bless people by serving them. That means you go out of your way to say, what does this person need? And how can I help them with this need? And verbally you speak into their lives. If you haven't made it a habit when you see a friend suffering to speak into their life and edify them and minister to them, then you're failing as a friend. For a matter of fact, you're not much of a friend at all. I've heard people say, I just don't want to get involved with that. I, I, I just don't want to talk about it. I don't want to deal with it. I just let them talk and then I listen. That's good Then that's important, especially if you're a husband. But it's more important to follow up with ministering and edifying. Being a servant and speaking into their life in such a way that's going to strengthen them and help them. And I feel as if we are failing when we because we're overlooking the fact that we are builders and givers. We forget that is in vital importance of our life as Christians to build and to give. You know, the words that we use, the Bible says, pleasant words are as a honeycomb. They're sweet to the soul and health to the bones. I'm going to tell you something. Your words can heal people if they're used correctly. Yeah. It's amazing. I've said things to people that I thought wasn't even a big deal. I'm talking about positive things. Just like, man, you did an amazing job with that. Because in my mind, I'm thinking they really did an amazing job. But they were thinking, no, I just, I didn't. I, I'm horrible at this. But at that moment, there was this, if you want to call it a spiritual confidence that, hey, I am doing what God has called me to do. I, 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 I am worth something. I, 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 and they look past their mentality and their way of thinking and they see the bigger picture. Because they were ministered to. Your kids need it. Your spouse needs it. Your friends need it. Ministering. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. You can't do that unless you're willing to edify and minister. So here's the question. I, I, where are you with this? Are you an individual that finds yourself using more corrupt communication than good communication? Are you edifying and ministering to those around you? Are you one of those people that have been labeled? And nobody wants to talk to you because they know what's going to come out of your mouth because what's in your heart always comes out your mouth and they're thinking to themselves, I just don't want to be around that person because they just bring me down. Yeah. There's people I intentionally stay away from. You say, Dave, I do because they're so negative. And because they're so negative, I become negative. It just rubs off on me. I mean, I could have an amazing day and, and get an extra drink at Starbucks when I ordered one because they messed up. And I could be like, because of this individual so negative in my life, I'd be like, you're going to give me an extra drink? You shouldn't have messed up in the first place. I don't care if I get two drinks. It could be beautiful outside. It's like the wind is blowing a little too hard for me today. The most insignificant things I make into big deals because of that person that's speaking in my life in a negative manner. They're corrupt and it starts decaying and I start falling apart and I start leaning into what they're saying. You know how Paul closes this up and it's really good in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31. You just skip a few verses forward. 
He says in verse 31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Verse 32, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. If, if we can tame our tongue, like verse 31 says, then what we're going to find ourselves doing is healing and helping people, like verse 32 says. We're going to see kindness and forgiveness and, and, and generosity in a way that we've never experienced before. So here's, here's the application. I want you to think this way, okay? Here's my question. Has your communication affected others negatively? Has your communication affected others negatively? Are you edifying and ministering more than you're venting? That's, that one's tough for me. Are you edifying and ministering more than you're venting? I vent all the time. I vent with myself more than anybody else. How many are there? And you just go on and on and on and on. I mean, you beat yourself up more than anybody else beats you up. Like, that was so stupid. Why did you say that? I'm like, I don't know. I was just in the moment, and I said it. And you're like, well, you shouldn't have said that. Next thing you know, you're a psychopath, speaking to yourself back and forth like a weirdo. We just beat ourselves up because we're venting and venting and venting. You have a family member that you don't want to talk to because you know they're going to vent the whole time you talk to them? You all know what I'm talking about? Do you dread your spouse coming home because you know they're going to come home with a lot of baggage and they're going to vent, 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 vent? If you are that spouse, let me just tell you this. You are not ministering and you're not edifying. All you're doing is pulling down and decaying your home from the inside out because your kids hear it, your wife hears it, maybe your husband hears it. It's affecting everybody. Has your communication affected others negatively? Are you edifying and ministering more than you're venting. Here's, here's the application. Evaluate your words before you use them. Evaluate your words before you use them. You know what our parents used to say, and we say to our kids, think before you, think before you speak. I've been so upset about things before, and I'm just about to blast somebody, or I'm about to say something I shouldn't say, and we've all been there. And I've been with people that'll stop me from doing that. Y'all been with people that stop you from doing that? I, I don't remember when it was. My daughter was with me, Ellie. And I was upset about something. And I was texting something. And she goes, whoa! Like a little woman of wisdom. She says, Dad, don't you send that. I'm like, what? Because I speak text, so she knew what I was texting. And she said, don't you send that? Because you are mad. She said, what you need to do is calm down, reevaluate, and think it through. So I didn't send it to Brianna. You know, I thought it through. <laughs> uh, how many times have we just flew off handle and just went crazy over something that we could have just stopped, slowed down, and thought it through and evaluated what we were about to say? I, I think this is very important for for us to understand because if we don't get this, we'll continue to communicate in a corrupt way. Be proficient with the words you say. 
you need to make sure they fit the occasion. Is this the right time to say this? <laughs> My wife's looking at me right now. I just experienced this yesterday, so I'll be transparent. She said, out of all times, to talk about this. She said it just like that with that, that, that voice right there. Out of all times to talk about this. You pick right now? Right now? And I could just see flames in her eyes, and I'm like... I'm sorry. I repent of my ways. Forgive me. No, it was a dumb decision because this was not the appropriate time. And it wasn't the right words to use. And I think that's what happens so often. We get ourselves in situations with friends and family and even our spouse, and we're thinking, I thought this was the best time to say it or this was the way I should say it. Remember that old phrase that our parents used to say to us? If you can't say anything nice, just don't say anything at all. Man, if we practiced that, we would be just mute every day of our life. I mean, if we really, if God controlled that and shut us down every time we were going to say something stupid, we'd pull up at McDonald's and God did. We we would be at a stop like, we'd get shut down. It's tough. I want to help you with this, and I want to help myself because I struggle in this area. And I want you to do me a favor. Would you just bow with me for a word of prayer before we close out? I want you to ask yourself those questions. Has your communication affected others negatively? Are are, are you edifying and ministering more than you're venting? Where are you? Have you made it a point to evaluate those words? Evaluate your words before you use them. Because if you haven't, this is the week to begin. Evaluate your words before you use them. Be proficient in your words. That means be very selective in the words that you're using. So if you have division, frustration, and maybe your marriage... Maybe you're home with friends and family. And there's a lot of corrupt communication going on. You're not alone because everybody deals with it. Maybe you're one of those people that have been carrying those tags around all your life. And you've allowed that corrupt communication to own your way of thinking. Then I have news for you. Just like you can use good communication... To mend people, you can let go of those tags that you've gotten over the years and use that as a testimony to invest in people. The most powerful thing you can do with your life is use your tongue to give your story. And your story is going to have some ripples. They're going to have problems. Your, your tongue's going to have some things. Your story, excuse me, your story is going to have some past situations that nobody else understands except God in you. But when you use it for God's glory to invest and edify and minister in somebody's life, you have just become in essence a missionary to change your community and your friends and your family because your story is powerful. Because it ministers and it edifies as long as you give glory to God in that situation. What are you doing with your story? Use it.